Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences. RLJ Cox here. I'm the host of the Measure Success Podcast, where I talk with top leaders about effective strategies that inspire success. This episode is brought to you by 40 Strategy. 40 Strategy built to make strategy work for small to medium-sized businesses by designing world-class strategic plans and keeping them accountable to actually get it done. To learn more, go to 40strategy.com. We're also really excited to launch our new Captain Strategy Workshop. Well, what does that mean? It's an eight-hour course that's designed at different times of the day to help the entrepreneur actually create their strategic plan in a group-like setting. It's an incredible course. We had great feedback. And for you listeners who are there, we have a special code and it's going to be measure success and, and put in dash 2023. Send that in to our admin at 40strategy.com. We're going to give you a 10% discount for signing up and I'd love to see you on there so much. So anyways, please go ahead and move forward to that. And we're really excited to now move forward with our guest, Ryan England. Ryan is the CEO and founder of Core Matters. He is absolutely passionate about supporting growing businesses to build amazingly productive companies by providing coaching and training on attracting, hiring, and retaining rockstar employees using his proven, proven process, the Core Fit Hiring System. This is actually our second episode because we were having so much fun the first time. We're like, we got to go do round two. And so Ryan, once again, welcome to the Measure Success Podcast. Oh, thank you, Carl. I'm glad to be back. So Ryan, why don't you share a little bit more and, and get the readers up to speed about a little bit more detail about what you do and how you're making a difference in the world? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I started, when I made the leap into entrepreneurship and I left corporate, I started my own digital marketing agency. I thought, you know, the one thing that small and medium businesses need is better help retaining customers. And it was about five years in and most of my clients had no problem with customers. What they had problem with was people. They could not find enough people to deliver to their customers. So I made this shift about 2015. So, I mean, that's seven, eight years ago now. And uh, I said, you know what? Solving the recruiting problem is a marketing issue. If we apply the techniques and the strategies that we use in marketing for customers into marketing for employees, we'll solve this recruiting issue. And so we set out to do that. And over the years, we've developed our proven process, the CoreFit hiring system, because we found that it wasn't just about getting people to apply, getting them to show up for the interview. We had to onboard them. We had to engage them. We had to retain them. We had all this other work to do to create what I call the employee experience. And as soon as we realized that we had this whole model that really encompassed the employee experience, it started to transform organizations all over the country, just because it was no longer a, I've got an extra set of hands, or I just need another person to pass the fog, the mirror test. It really became a strategic focus in bringing in great people and keeping them. I love that. And so getting our, once again, our listeners up to speed who perhaps didn't catch the first episode, you know, we, we really focused that first part on recruiting, right? Yeah. How do we bring in the best people into our companies, despite everything that's going on? Right. You know, it's like, you know, not long ago, I was like, I couldn't hire anybody, right, without throwing 50% more on their pay yeah. or giving them incredible bonuses or doing these things. 
or I had to do something different that was completely unique to get somebody to come towards us. Now we have this really interesting time where there's a, a depending on what industry you are in, you're in a, we're in a, well, once again, maybe you're in a recession, maybe you're not, you yeah. know, depending on your experience. Right. And so now it's this weird time where actually there's people are listening a little bit more and we're getting more people to be hired, hired, but it doesn't mean necessarily we're doing it the right way. So do just like, if you may, like on a one to two minute kind of highlights of what we talked about on that recruiting side of these best practices of what really is the difference between what I'd call typical recruiting versus how you're making a difference in the world with helping organizations with recruiting. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a couple of uh, principles here. One of them, if if you remember back, we talked a lot about phishing when it comes to recruiting. There's this attraction mechanism that needs to happen. And what I see so many companies doing right now is they're they're taking their job description that HR gave them or their attorney gave them. They're posting it on a job board and they're hoping that they catch something. And if they do, it's usually not what they want. Like they want to throw it back. You know, people ask me all the time, like, how do I stop hiring bottom feeders? Like, stop fishing in the city canal. <laughs> like, start fishing other places. Because the truth is, if you want to attract good people to your business, you must be attractive to good people. And if you're not setting yourself up to be different, if you're not being attractive in the places where these good people are, like if you haven't found a new fishing hole by now, it's time to start that. And one of the, the best fishing holes that we talk about, one of the best places to get great rockstar employees is through an employee referral program. Get the people that you like, that you know, that you trust, that are already working for you to go brag about you to your friends and family. But the, the problem is, and th this is the real issue, is most people don't want to take that risk. Because... If you ask, if we lined up a hundred business owners or even business leaders and said, hey, would you rather hire the person that's gainfully employed and super productive or hire the person that's living in their mom's basement playing Xbox all day? What do you think they're going to say? I, I hope, right? We hope. <laughs> yeah, we hope. The guy that's <laughs> gainfully employed. Well, here's the thing. You send out one of your best people and you say, hey, go ask your buddy. Go ask your friend. If they will, here's what you're asking them to do. If they will quit their job, take a risk and come work over here. And by the way, if you do this and you risk your friendship, I'll give you 250 bucks. <laughs> that's what we're asking people to do. And the reason most employee referral programs don't work is because nobody wants to put their neck out there for you. Especially if they're asking them to quit their job. We have a little story I tell where, I mean, picture this for a second. One of your top performers goes up and goes to their friend and says, hey, I know your wife's still mad at me for the last crazy idea I had, but can you go tell her that you're going to quit your job? You know, the one where you're gainfully employed and productive and happy. You're going to quit your job. And when you come over here to work for a company you know nothing about, my boss is going to give me 250 bucks. Can you go run that by her and see if she's cool with it? <laughs> what do you think is going to happen? Well, it Brian, and when you say it out loud like that, it sounds silly because I, I've been with so many companies and it's like, that's one of their key strategies is, mm -hmm. hey, we're going to pay our internal employees 250 bucks. And on two sides behind it, don't get me wrong, nobody, nobody doesn't like $250, right, of, yeah. of, of getting something. However, the, what we forget is that risk side of the equation that it'll have. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like, hey, this is a big deal when somebody moves a job. It's it's I I was saying this 
I was working with somebody on a worker on a, on a compensation executive compensation system recently. And I was like, okay, does this pass the test that the spouse is going to love this? Mm. Right. If the spouse is going to love this, that we're done, we're in, we got this locked and rolled. But if the spouse doesn't love this plan, it doesn't work. And so, the same thing you just mentioned there. Do, do you really think if they told them out loud, hey, hey, but uh, I'll split the 250 bucks with you, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, what, yeah. You have to remember that this guy's gainfully employed. He's probably not unhappy. Otherwise he'd be, he'd quit or he'd be looking already. And it's just, you know, when you think about it out loud and that's why, and then, the, and then the best part is, by the way, I only get the 250 bucks if you're there in 90 days. So you better just grin and bear it. Cause if it sucks, I don't get that money unless you're there 90 days. And we've turned these employee referral programs into a employee retention program. And what we need to do is we, we need to reward the behavior that we want, which is the referral. It's not an employee retention. It's an employee referral program. So reward the referral. Now, if you want to wait a week, okay, that's fine. Or next payday, that's fine. But reward the behavior that you want. Now, if you want them to retain, then you're going to have two rewards. You're going to reward them for the referral and reward them for retention. We have some clients that, and I don't fully agree with this, but it's not bad. They actually pay a quarterly bonus for every quarter that both employees are there. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Right, so actually. maybe I get 250 bucks day one, but then in 90 days, I get another 250 and then another 90 days, I get another 250 and another 90 days. And, and I mean, it's a thousand bucks extra a year. And you know that those aren't my favorite, but if you're going to make it an employee retention program, do both reward both behaviors. And, and you've very eloquently moved us to exactly where we want to be today, which is the concept of retention, right? Mm. We focused previously on this concept of the hiring, you know, how do you get the right people? How do you fish? I love the terminology you use, the metaphors that you use in terms of fishing. And, and, and now it's like, how do we make sure we keep our best, most highly trained people to make sure they stay and they don't get poached yeah. from somebody else, right? Because that's the most expensive thing. I mean, you know, the, the data is crazy out there. It could be 12 to 18 months best perhaps to bring somebody back on board and never forget the knowledge. Let's say they've been around for five years, yeah. you know, all just the, the existing knowledge of the culture and the system, the process, how to, how to interact with people. You, you don't just replace that. Assuming once again, they're replacing a good, you know, somebody else is good as leaving. Yeah. And before you, you, ho, I, I just want to go and, and answer the question. I want to, I want to test the question because there are companies out there that do this and I kind of love it but I'm curious if it works. You know, it's like one of those things if you hear about it, but is it really true? Yeah. There are companies that will pay people to buy them off to leave. Mm -hmm. Right. Hey, I'm going to give you 2,500 bucks to get out of here. Yeah. First, I want you to touch on that. And then I want you to go on what you typically do, but does that work? You know, it's interesting. A friend of mine actually has a software development company and they got, they got picked up by all the major news outlets because they were paying $6,500 after three weeks, I think it was, if you left. And the question was, does anybody ever take you up on it? And they've been running for like a year and a half. And the answer was no one ever has because our hiring process is that good. So it really is a marketing pitch. And I mean, they make the offer to everybody. 
But when you know that you're that good of an organization and you know that you've done that good of a job hiring, you can put your money where your mouth is. And that's all they're doing. They're saying, we're so confident in our ability to hire the right people. We're willing to give them 6,500 bucks if they leave. And they were hiring software engineers. So, I mean, these weren't low level positions. Zappos, I think Tony Shea is the one that made that famous. Yes. They'd thousand dollars after two weeks and people would leave. And, and sometimes it's done as a way to say, hey, it's, it's actually cheaper to do that than have this really robust hiring process, especially when we're looking for skilled labor or even just general labor, which is what a lot of they were looking for. You know, Amazon's got this process now, probably not as much anymore since they've been doing a lot of layoffs. But for a while, when it was going nuts during COVID, they actually, if you applied, you got hired. And then as soon as you got hired, then they put you into onboarding. And I think we talked about this last time. We did. We did. Yes. Sun went through it, right? Yep. That's correct. And, and, and then in onboarding, they just weed you out. They don't have to pay you anymore. They just make you hate it so much that you leave. But Here's the thing. There's, there's two problems you need to solve when it comes to retaining your good employees. The first one is, how do you retain the new people coming in? And that's a different problem and a different solution than how do you retain the people that have been with you for three or four or five years? Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. Because the answer, in, in my opinion, the answer is start off on the right foot from the beginning. You know, I ask people all the time, when does onboarding start? And they're like, the first day they show up for work. I'm like, it starts in their first interaction with you when they apply. Right? What was that experience like? And then they hear back from you or your recruiter, what was that experience like? And then they show up for the interview, what was that experience like? That's when onboarding starts. If you think about it, you know, my wife's, I, I was blessed. My wife does not have a great memory, long-term memory. So she doesn't get to hold a lot of stuff, but I've had buddies whose wives remember the first date and that stupid joke they made or that stupid thing they said. She's still holding on to that in the relationship. And you know what? Your employees do the exact same thing. They remember how they were treated. You know, I was talking to, I'm getting ready to do a coaching session for a client here with all of their field supervisors. And these guys are like, you know, when someone shows up on the job site, they just should get to work. And we're, we're going to talk about this little story about me being all excited as the new employee and my wife's packed my lunch and we're all excited and it's all happy go lucky and I'm driving to work whistling a tune I'm all excited about this new job and I get there and I walk on the job site and there's no one to be seen I don't know who to report to I don't know who to call like what do I do and it's silly but that's what happens in so many organizations right now you show up on day one they're like oh yeah yeah we'll get to you go sit in the corner and wait for us and it's like I thought you were excited to have me join the team because I was excited to be here but now I'm not feeling that excitement anymore. And this first thing that goes to my mind is that impression, that, that situation right there makes me regret my decisions. And that right there, that event is going to flavor my entire experience with the company. I, I want to addend onto that for a minute. Same son who worked at Amazon is now working for, just got hired as an intern to get a permanent position after he graduates from college. And this is you, Zach, that we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. And and it was super fascinating because they allowed him during the process to go to any meeting he mm -hmm. wanted to. It was an open access to all these meetings with well-known PE firms and investors and different opportunities like that. And this is what he's involved with. 
and they literally gave him the opportunity and what a great experience, right? Wow. I mean, how cool is that, of uh, that he, he, they actually welcomed him, they onboarded him, and then they invited him to go into meetings that he wasn't technically invited to, but they're like, no, really come on in and learn because we want you to learn as much as you can. Sure enough, you know, when they gave him an opportunity, he was like, yeah, this is a great place to work. And sure enough, they're rated in one of, one of the best places to work for in their particular region yeah. that they're located in, right? Because they figured things out. So, so we got somebody in, we got them on board. What are those, if you may, if you were to say three things or two things or four things, what are the few steps you have to do to help make sure that early process of retention is going to differentiate you from everybody else. I think one of the biggest mistakes I would say people make, and so the answer to your question is don't do this, uh-huh. <laughs> is, is people show up for work and as enthusiastic or as excited you were during the interview process and how much fun you had in the interview process, we don't continue that. And so what yes. happens is they show up on day one, and you're like, oh, hey, Carl, glad you're here. Hey, can, there's, there's your cube or you know there's the job site you need to report to and you're just like last time i was here we were laughing we were having fun and now it's like you barely remember me and there's this belief that we need to celebrate our best workers when they leave our organization i don't know if you've ever been to a retirement party or hey we're all going to go to lunch because it's their last day and they were someone we really liked we celebrate them when they leave but we don't celebrate them when they show up and i would say that is probably one of the biggest misses that most organizations have is there's no celebration. This is a celebration. They were excited. I mean, you, to play off a a relationship analogy real quick, you asked this person to marry you and they said, yes. And then when you get to the the wedding day, it's like, nobody's around. (laughs) They're standing at the altar by themselves going, did I make the right decision? Like what is happening here? And so I, I think celebrating people when they show up, we talk about rock star employees. Imagine pick any rock star showed up for a concert and there was no one there to greet them. And they're like, by the way, you're setting up your own gear today. What are the odds that rock star is going to come back? No, because they're used to being treated like a rock star. And you're a great employees. These people that you are so excited to have, they're used to being respected and and people excited when they walk in the room and people, you know, compassionate about their situation and what they're going. And just, there's so much that we miss because we think, whoo, close that wreck. Whoo, we hired that person. (laughs) I mean, the clear, no, you still have a, a real life human being. You know what I, what I like to sometimes say the softer side of business, right? You still have that person with hopes and goals and dreams and regrets and, and frustrations and all those other feelings that we have as leaders, they have it too. And if we are not compassionate when they show up and say, Hey, we know you just made one of the biggest life changes you're going to make. Switching a job is a big deal. As entrepreneurs, we forget the risk. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's huge deal. And going back to these, now I love these analogies of, you know, it, it's, it's interesting whether once again, you're trying to date somebody for the first time or, or you're catching a fish, right? It's it, people get so excited about the chase of landing the employee, mm-hmm. right? Or quote unquote, the date, so to speak. And then they forget that 
no, that's just the beginning, right? You know, it's, and, and more importantly, you're only starting to pay them to actually deliver and perform work. So why wouldn't we take that over? And that then comes down to culture a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Right, where you, you recognize at the end of the day, there's this game that's being played on the front end that's not consistent on the receivership side. <laughs> absolutely. Right? You know, and all of a sudden we're like, oh, what did I sign up? What did I do? They're going home to their significant other going, whoa, what did I do? Yeah. You know, yeah. should I I'm stay so sorry. here? <laughs> 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 I left that great job for this one. And, oh boy. You know, yeah. you know and it might be a great job and it might be better than the last employer. But if we don't, if we're not intentional at the beginning, they'll never know. So, so think, get some tactics, you know, what are some good, you, you kind of mentioned this, you, you want to have, this is what you don't do is ignore them. What are some good tactics to come in that, that our audience can say, Hey, I, I should do this and this, because this is th these, these things I've learned over my years really help create that experience that that yeah. new employee is going to be like, wow, this is a wow moment versus a whoa moment. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we call them defining moments as part of the employee experience. What are the moments that define the relationship? And, you know, I can't tell you how many times, and I'll back up just a second before we get to onboarding, but when you make that offer, when you ask them to marry you and they say yes, like that is a huge celebratory moment. Like just be patient with that moment. And one of the tactics that we have, so a lot of times, remember, we're, we're hiring the person that's gainfully employed, right? That's go home and tell their spouse. <laughs> I'm quitting and I'm starting here. When that person walks out the job, walks out your door and goes back to the office or goes back to the job and, and has to tell their boss, nine times out of 10, we already know this. We saw it happen all the time during COVID. Guess what that boss is going to do? They're going to panic and they're going to counter. That's we already right. know this is going to happen. That's right. Yep. And you would be just fooling yourself if you thought otherwise. So, hey, you know, Carl, here's a great tactic. Hey, Carl, this is awesome. I'm so excited to have you here. Let me ask you a question. What's it going to be like when you go tell your boss? And mm. you have this conversation about what they believe the boss is going to do. And then you share with them, well, if one of my rockstar employees came to me, here's what I would do. I'd panic. I freak out. I'd be like, maybe if I offer them a dollar or two more an hour, they'll stay. They'll ignore some of the garbage, some of the bad stuff that, they, that they've been dealing with. And maybe the extra dollar or two will, will soften the pain. That's what I would do. You think your boss is going to do that? And they probably never thought about it, right? They just don't because they don't think about that stuff. You know, he might. I've seen a lot of people that said they were out of there and then they end up staying. And I never understood why. Well, great. Let's role play this for a second. Let's role play what this is going to be like. I want you to come in and I want you to tell me that you're quitting. Mm. And let's prepare them for this conversation. Instead of just saying, all right, good luck. I hope that you uh, can tell your boss no. And, and what I want you to do during this process is get really clear on why they're leaving. Mm. Everything we do at Core Matters is all predicated on one, one belief. And, and, and this actually... I think everybody would agree with this, but people don't leave jobs. They leave people, they leave managers, they leave bosses. We know that, which means if someone is open to interviewing with me, it's because the pain of change is less than the pain of staying where they're at. 
So I want you in that moment and, and throughout the whole interview process, like you don't want to hit them all in pain all at once and they start crying in front of you because that makes things hard. But I want you to be really clear on why they're leaving. Oh, my boss promised me the promotion. I got passed up twice. Oh, my boss promised me the raise. I never got it. Oh, my boss told me I'd have paid time off and he, he never approves it, right? Like whatever it is that is causing them to go, I'm ready to leave. That's what you want them reminded of when their boss offers them $2 more now. You want them thinking through that. Not that oh, $2 more an hour. Whew, that's some good money. I think I'm going to just stay here because it's easier than switching jobs. But you want them to go, you know what? $2 more an hour would have been great the last time you passed me up for a promotion, but it's too late now. That's how you want this employee to be thinking. And so I think equipping them with being able to make this transition to you, when they show up on day one, they're going to go, and thank you for the coaching. That was so helpful. I am so excited to be here now. Ryan, the accounting side of me just wanted to share something that people wouldn't maybe know. It was interesting. I actually ran into something the other day. They're like, you didn't know this? And apparently everybody doesn't. So I'm just going <laughs> to share it just a little, yeah. den you know, denim on today. When somebody says giving you $2 an hour or higher, they go, oh, that's not that much. That's $4,000 per year, right? So just math-wise, once again, you generally do 2,080 hours per year. And, and so if you do a dollar, yeah. an hourly rate times whatever that $2 is times 2,000, that's 4,000. And once again, et cetera, any amount. So these things matter, right? For somebody, you know, especially if they're earlier in their career, right? And, and they go, wow, yeah, I can, $4,000, I can now pay for those eggs. <laughs> yes, a, just, a, I mean, it is still a car payment for, for a used automobile. Like, right. That's, that's still right. That's right. a few hundred bucks a month. And if they're only making 20 bucks an hour, that's a 10% raise. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. real money. And, and you know, a lot of the work we do is around frontline entry level skilled labor, anybody making $40 an hour or less, that's real money. Yeah. Yeah. It's real no, money. It's, it is, and, it is. It's really significant. So, so I cut you off there. What were you going to add on to that? I was just going to say, and you've heard it before. You even said it 12 to 18 months, right? Like what, there are a lot of people that'll say, Hey, it's going to cost two times their annual salary to replace them. So all of a sudden that two that four grand, that's cheap. Of course I'll offer them $2 more an hour, but you're not fixing the problem. And I love what you said earlier about culture, right? The culture is so important. We talk a lot about vision and how important that is. And you know, good to great. I see you got Jim Collins book in the background, right? Like getting the right people in the right seats on the bus and, and figuring out where that bus is going to go. But then beyond that, you have to be able to get the right message in front of those people to get the right people on the bus. And I'm not talking about your leadership team like Jim does in, in this book. I'm talking about the people that are producing your product or service. They need to be excited. So when they get there on day one, I want you to really onboard them, not just have them show up and put them to work, but hey, let's talk about again why you're here. What was it you wanted out of your career? What was it that you wanted to be different? Because I don't want to lose sight of that. And the truth is I'm busy. I got a lot going on. But I, so I need to be intentional on making sure that I'm delivering on the promises I made during the interview. And I think that's another big mistake people make is that they, they don't meet the expectations. See, as employers, we're so focused on, did they meet my expectations? Did they, are they able to do the work they said they could do? We're so focused on that. We rarely ever stop and say, did we follow through? We told them it would be better here. Did we actually prove that to them? 
And so during that first couple of weeks, and I actually tell people in the first two weeks, expect nothing out of them except to show up, be engaged, build a relationship, no work. I mean, you can give them work, but there's nothing you're holding them accountable to except for being, being there and participating. That's it. Get to know them, spend time getting to know these people, find out why is it that they left? What were they hoping to get out of their career that they couldn't get at the last place? Have those conversations and then follow through and help them understand they made the right decision. Because more often than not, they show up and they go, this wasn't what I thought it would be. And here's, here's the truth. If, so it takes the average job seeker 10 weeks. I might've mentioned this last time. It takes the average job seeker 10 weeks to find a new job. So if they leave you in the first 90 days, they never stopped looking. Mm. Think about that for a second. If they leave in the first 90 days, they never stopped looking, which means you never gave them a reason to stop looking. Mm. So find out what those reasons are and give them those reasons to stay. Now, I know we're talking about all of the new people, how to retain them. We have the, the other group, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but you hit on something really, I mean, along with this, right? Is you, you, Once again, why do people leave is because management, right? Their manager, the frontline yeah. supervisor, right? The, the person who's overseeing them, right? For some reason, that person who's in that position doesn't get doesn't get it or or is confused or doesn't completely understand how to gain rapport with their team yeah. so let outside of the concept of and let's say they're they are a high performing manager for whatever reason but for for some reason though they they have a blind eye perhaps right mm -hmm. to some some behaviors that they're doing that isn't getting people to want to stay. So what type of techniques do you, can we teach managers, right? You know, especially perhaps inexperienced managers. I honestly, I think it's very well experienced managers. We miss out on this as well. Yeah. But how do we, how do we teach our management to be more cognizant and be more mindful if you may, but if you aren't doing these things, you aren't creating real connection with your, with your team. Yeah. So we talk a lot about pre-hire assessments, behavioral assessments. Uh, it's probably a whole nother episode just in of itself, how to use those, but really understanding what makes someone tick and customizing to them. Don't think that we can build one process and it fits everybody because if it does fit everybody, we're doing ourselves a disservice. We're doing our customers a disservice by not hiring the different types of people. Like we need to round our teams out. But one of the concepts that I introduce is this concept of rock star versus superstar. And often we think that rock stars, when we use the word rock star, what we think we're talking about is superstars. And when we hire people, we think we're hiring rock stars, but we're hiring superstars. And superstars will get you in trouble faster than anything else. And so it's really being aware of who it is that you're talking with and understanding, am I working with a rock star or superstar? So let me tell you the difference real quick. So rock stars are the rocks of your team not going anywhere. They love what they do. They want to be the best at their current position. They want to be the person that you always go to and say, Hey, can you onboard the new person? Can you coach the new person? Hey, we got new software. Can you evaluate it? Like they, but they want to stay in their position. Superstars on the other hand, they want that hockey stick career path, right? They want to run the company tomorrow. That's what superstars want. And if they don't, they move on. See, superstars are all focused on growth. How can I do more, faster, better? 
they're, they're entrepreneurs in the making, if you will. Whereas rock stars, they're the foundation of our company. The problem is, is that managers often look at rock stars and say, well, they're not motivated, right? They, they're slackers. Like, why wouldn't they want to manage people? Why wouldn't they want to take on more? And so we look at them and we discount them and we say, well, I'm going to go focus on the superstars because when I need a new manager or I need a new project lead or I need this, I'm going to go superstar because they're going to say yes all the time. And so what we do is we hire a lot of superstars, but what we really need is a bunch of rock stars. And when we go talk to people, we take our top producing salesperson, you know, the one that's doing 20% of our revenue, 30% of our revenue, we take them, we say, oh, if you could just teach the rest of the sales team to produce like you do, hey, we're going to make you a sales manager. And they're like, I don't really want to be a sales. No, no, no. You're going to be great at it. We make them a sales manager. And what happens? They don't know how to manage people. And all of a sudden, 30% of your revenue is gone. And you're like, what happened? And then what do we do? We blame the person we promoted. Well, it's your fault that you suck at being a manager. It's your fault that sales are down and you fire them. And now we've hurt this person's career prospects because they're like, oh, well, I was a sales manager. So I want to go be a sales manager again. Guess what? You're not good at it. And what we needed to do is say, hey, that person's an amazing salesperson and we're going to keep them there. And what we're going to do is we're going to figure out how to clone them. We're going to understand what makes them tick. We're going to understand their behaviors, what drives them, what motivates them. We're going to take that information and we're going to go put it out in the market. And we're going to say, we want more people like this. And then you go hire a sales manager who's a rock star sales manager. And that's what they want to do. They want to lead people. They want to help people grow. They want to pour into people and not produce. And that's, that's where I think managers make this mistake is they don't understand who am I working with. What type of, and, and perhaps this tools you're already using, I, I got to imagine it is, but how, how do you differentiate that from a survey perspective of knowing, I mean, you might experience it, but how do you, how do you get an assessment to help evaluate that difference between a superstar and a rock star if people well, don't know already? Yeah. Well, if we look at, I mean, we've probably all heard of DISC. Right. We've all heard of the DISC assessment. We've heard of Myers-Briggs. They're all based on the same science. It's what we do with that information that's different. And so we have a couple that we like. But if you think about just DISC, we've got your high dominance or low dominance. Right. We've got your, your introversion, extroversion. We've got your steadfastness, right? The S is steadfast. Those are your steady eddies. They don't like change. They just want to do everything the right way. And then we've got your, your, your conformist, right? Like the, all your CPAs, CFOs, they fall under Cs, right? The CFOs are usually CDs, right? Like they like to be in charge. They like to do that. But just having that understanding of someone can help you understand, is this someone, like an S is not very, very rarely is an S going to be a superstar, right? They want to be amazing at what they do. They want to be the best. They want to be the person that you come to when you need something tricky figured out, but they don't want to go learn new things. They don't want to take on new projects. You've got your, you know, you got your high eyes. They want to be the life of the party. They want to build relationships. They want to have fun. They want, to, they want to have friends at work. They want to be the person that every time you're doing a celebration of a new employee, they're the person you tap on the shoulder and say, can you help me with this? Right? That's what they want to be great at. But when you've got your Ds, like the, the high, high Ds, right? High Ds, high Is, those are usually your entrepreneurs, right? They're low, usually low S, low Cs. They love change. They don't like following the rules, right? 
your high IDs, those are typically going to be your superstars. I'm, I'm super generalizing right now. I'm sure you probably got some disc consultants listening to this going, you're wrong, but super generalizing. But typically that's what you're going to see is that. And then you're going to see your rock stars usually be high S's, high C's because they don't like change. They don't want to do different things. They don't want to learn things. They want to be amazing at what they do. They want to be an expert, but in what they do, assuming they're in the right career path and everything else. I mean, there's a lot of assumptions, but so you can use these assessments to make assumptions about how to drive the conversation. So if I saw someone was a high D, high I, and, or they were a DI, I would have a conversation about leadership roles that they want, how many people they want to be leading, you know, what kind of projects they want to take on. I would have that conversation. But if I had a high SC, I would have conversations about what new training do you need? You know, what skills do you want to develop? What new, what new projects or systems do you want to just get better at? Not you're going to be a project manager because that may not be what they want, but you know, there are projects that you want to be involved in because you think you can actually contribute a lot and you have more of that conversation. And I think that during that, during onboarding can go a long way to letting people know that they made the right decision and they're at their new home. Is awesome. All right. So we just got a minute or two left, Ryan. I can't believe how these are gone fast. <laughs> like, oh, we, 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 just, we just scratched the surface on this. What's kind of the one, I guess, one more big thing. So let, let's just, and I said, we might have to do another episode again of this, but <laughs> let's just talk, let's talk about the somebody who's been around for two years. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And we still shouldn't recognize, and if they're performing well, under the, under the presumption that they're performing well. So let's just keep that a note. And we want to make sure we keep them and they're not getting plucked by another firm. Yeah. What's a, a key strategy or tactic that we can do yeah. to, help, to help out with that? So we don't, we don't forget, right? We don't, it's so easy, right? right? For, we, we get comfortable with our spouse or dog or cat or whatever at home, right? We, we, and the same thing happens with employees, right? Yeah. We take them for granted. So what, what are some things we can do to help make sure we're not taking them for granted? Yeah, you know, if you're not having a quarterly conversation with your employees, like start right now. If you're not sitting down every 90 days saying what's working, what's not working, not, not you're working, you're not working, right? Like that's not the conversation. We have a process we call the core fit conversation. And it's, uh, it's a little backwards thinking and it scares managers a lot because what it is, is it's no longer a review of the employee. It's the employee's review of you. And so sitting down, I mean, a simple, easy process to do is go up to this employee and say, hey, I'm going to ask you a really tough question. And I need you to be just brutally honest. Like nothing you say is going to upset me, but I might have some extra questions. Scale of one to 10, how well am I doing as a leader for you? And then just shut up. Because what do most leaders do? They want to fill the gap. Just shut up and let them think. They've never been asked this question before. Let them think. And let's say they come back and they say, oh, you're a 10. Um, I told you to be brutally honest with me. <laughs> I know I'm not perfect. And give them examples of where you've let them down or where you failed. Like, we all know it. Like, this is one of those times where you eat some humble pie. <laughs> you check your ego at the door and just let them tell you what you can do to be better. And let's say they come back and they say it's a six. 
Wow. Okay. What would it take to make it a 10? Mm, yeah, I love that. I love Pretend that you had a magic wand, you wave the magic wand and boom, it would be a 10 instantly. What would that be like? Let them dream for a minute. They're going to, if, if they're, if they feel that they can trust you, if they feel safe around you, they're going to tell you, here's what I need you to do. I need you to stop taking on projects that you don't know how to fulfill and making me figure it out. Oh, now we have an issue to solve. Let's talk about that because guess what? They're going to leave over that and they're going to go tell their next employer, you know what? They keep promising things to the customers that we don't know how to do and they make me figure it out. And then when I can't figure it out, guess who gets blamed? They're going to tell you exactly why they would leave. That's great. That is, that is a fantastic question. I think I hope everyone's listening. They, they caught that. I think that was really great advice that you did there. Ryan, this has been absolutely fantastic to have you on the show. How can people connect and, and know more about you at, in terms of core matters and, and finding out more information? Yeah, we've got all sorts of stuff. We've got free downloads. We've got books. We've got a new podcast coming out that I'm going to promote here. And I know you'll, your listeners will be hearing about it, but I've got a lot of content on our website over at corematters.com. And once you're done consuming the content, book a call with my team. We'd love to sit down have a conversation about you. Just see if we can help. We're here to help you solve this hiring problem. And there are so many things that can be done to solve it. Like it can be done. I talk to so many people, they don't believe it can be solved. I trust you. Trust me, it can be solved. And it's probably a lot easier than you think. You just need some outside the box thinking. I love it. Thank you so much, Ryan. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you as a second time on the Measure Success Podcast. Thanks for having me again, Carl. And to everyone else who's listening, I really do hope you reach out, learn more about what Ryan and his team doing at Core Matters, excellent insights into hiring and retention and, and much, much more. So please go out there to learn more information. Of course, we appreciate what you do on a regular basis. Please go out and rate our podcast. That's how we continue to climb the charts. If it's not for your support, we would not be able to be here and bring on the great guests like we bring on here today with Ryan. Well, with that, wishing you the very best at measuring your success. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Measure Success Podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best. Remember to subscribe now to get future episodes.